Good afternoon, St. Paul's. So if you are here last week, uh, you know that we're now in the section of Colossians uh, chapter 3, uh, which is a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, the fancy way of describing it is a list of exhortations, uh, rules for living. And last week we looked at the list of don'ts. This week we're looking at the do's. Uh, last week we talked about the things that we're supposed to put to death. And this week we're talking about the things that we're supposed to put on, like clothing. Uh, In fact, Paul uses the language of getting dressed as a metaphor for what we're supposed to do. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And before we get into the message for today, I'd like us to think a little bit about this metaphor of getting dressed. Now, most of us, in the earliest years of our lives, had someone else pick out our clothes for us. Maybe you're at that age now, and now we have the kids in the service, which is great. Um, I have some very faint memories of those days when my mom, who is here, actually, she, I'm sure she remembers better than I do, uh, when my mom would lay out clothes for me in the morning before I went to school. And I remember that sometimes I didn't want to wear the clothes that she put out for me, because sometimes they weren't as comfortable as I would have liked. Uh, And even worse, sometimes her choices were not cool enough. And in second grade, I knew what was cool. And in some ways, I think we find ourselves in a similar situation in our relationship with God. God lays out certain clothes for us, and he says, put these on. Clothes of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And he makes these available to us through the Holy Spirit, But we still have to do the work of putting the clothes on. Clothes don't just jump onto our bodies, right? We actually need to put in a little bit of effort. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't want to put them on. And the reasons why are similar to the same reasons I didn't want to put on the clothes that my mom left out for me. Uh, One, because sometimes they're not as comfortable as we would like. It's certainly not comfortable to put on patience. If it was, people would enjoy trips to the DMV. Uh, Two, sometimes they seem unfashionable. They're not cool enough. Take humility and gentleness. Uh, For example, those might be qualities that we really appreciate when we see them in another person, but they aren't really the most fashionable qualities to have. Pride and swagger are usually more fashionable than humility, and toughness is usually more fashionable than gentleness. So some days we let our desire for comfort or fashion get the best of us. And third, sometimes we just don't put them on because we want to stay in our pajamas all day. I think we've all had days like that. Days where we don't really want to get in the game. Days where we don't want to go to school. We don't want to go to work. And in the same way, there are days where we don't want to put on the effort of putting on qualities like humility and patience and compassion because it's just easier not to. But Paul tells us in today's passage, put them on. Don't let your desire for comfort or your concern about the world's fashion or your laziness get in the way of you being dressed in these things. These clothes are available to us, so let's put them on. Even if it takes some effort, even if we have to go against what our culture considers fashionable, even if they're not entirely comfortable. So, with that metaphor in mind, Let's look at the things that God calls us to do 
the clothes that he calls us to put on. So we're, we're going to be reading from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Uh, but before we get into this, let's say a prayer together. Lord Jesus, uh, once again, we are coming before you, as we did last week, um, about to hear some instructions on how we should live. And God, we acknowledge that as human beings, it's hard for us to be told what to do. Uh, There's part of us that really struggles with that. But Lord, I pray that you would give us obedient hearts, that you would give us the desire to follow the good instructions that you give us as our loving Father. So I pray that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so before we take a closer look at these clothes, the first thing I want us to notice are two very important little phrases in the beginning. God's chosen people and dearly loved. Paul says that we should do all the things that he's about to tell us. Why? Because we're God's chosen people and because we're dearly loved by him. Now, if you were here last week, hopefully you remember that Paul makes a very similar point right before he gives his list of don'ts. He says, since you have been raised with Christ, you should not do all these things. Not in order to be raised with Christ, you should do all these things, but since you have been raised with Christ, you shouldn't do these things. So in both places, right before the the don'ts and right before the do's, he says, you should do these things because you belong to Christ. And you can tell Paul's really trying to emphasize this point because it is our natural tendency to think that we should follow do's and don'ts in order to belong to Christ, in order to make Christ love us. But we have to realize that that's backwards. Last week I described it as putting the cart before the horse. It just doesn't work. The cart can't, be, can't go before the horse. The cart can't pull the horse. The horse has to pull the cart. So we aren't supposed to put on these clothes in order to make God love us, We're supposed to put on these clothes because God already loves us. And it's so important for us to realize this because the power to follow do's and don'ts, it doesn't come from trying to earn God's love. That actually makes it harder for us to do do's and don'ts. The power comes from accepting that before we do anything, God already loves us dearly. So, Paul says, since we are God's people, since he loves us dearly, We should clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So let's talk about these clothes a little bit. First, compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. 
Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase before, the passion of the Christ, in reference to his dying on the cross. That's a classical use of the word passion, suffer. And that prefix, com, means with, so to suffer with. That's what compassion is. So if you have compassion, then you're someone who sees someone else's suffering, and it causes suffering in you. You suffer with them. Their pain becomes your pain. And you're motivated to help alleviate their pain because of your compassion. I remember in the youth group that I grew up in, sometimes they would show us videos of kids in poverty-stricken areas, and they would invite us to help them in some way. And I remember there was this one woman who volunteered with the youth group, and you knew that if we were watching one of those videos, if you looked over at her, she would just have tears pouring down her face, and you know her head would be looking at the floor because she couldn't even watch the video. Because when she saw that suffering, that suffering became her suffering. She had a lot of compassion. And that's a beautiful thing, because God tells us to put that on, to put on that compassion. And, as with all of these virtues, the reason God calls us to put them on is because God has these virtues, too. Uh, No one has more compassion than God. Christ suffered with us by taking on the burden of our sin on the cross. Which, I love this picture. I think this picture really beautifully illustrates this. You see a person who's obviously in pain, some sort of anguish, so he's suffering. And then you see Christ's hand on his shoulder. And the nail mark there reveals that Christ also knows what it means to suffer, that he is suffering with this person. Because nobody has more compassion, more suffering with, than Christ for us. All right, next Next article of clothing, kindness. And I don't think this one needs a lot of explanation. Kindness is kindness. We know what kindness is. Kindness is uh, not using uh, both armrests at the movie theater. <laughs> kindness is really listening to someone when they have a problem, just giving them your, your ear and your time. Kindness is making a meal for someone who's too burdened, too stressed to make one for themselves. Basically, it's noticing other people, it's caring about how they feel, and acting on that. And there's humility. C.S. Lewis has a quote that I love about humility. He says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. We, uh, We have a natural tendency to think of ourselves as the center of the universe. Or at least... I know I, I have that problem often. But humility is the ability not to do that. Humility is uh, it's not obsessing over ourselves. Neither our strengths or our weaknesses. Both of those, whether you're, whether you're obsessing over your strengths or your weaknesses, is, is a form of pride rather than humility. Uh, but humility is this ability to take our eyes off of ourselves enough so that we're able to concern ourselves with other people. And if we don't have humility, we can't really have kindness. All these clothes go together. Next is gentleness. So gentleness is choosing not to be violent. Not to be violent with our words, and not to be violent with our actions. Gentleness is weighing our words very carefully so we don't cause unnecessary pain. And there's a bit of a paradox with gentleness, which is that it takes a lot of toughness to be gentle. Because being gentle often goes against our natural tendencies. It's hard to respond to an attack or an insult without reciprocating. But gentleness is the ability 
to de-escalate the conflict. Gentleness is the ability to respond to a tense situation in a way that brings peace rather than more harsh words and anger. And then finally, patience. So patience is the ability to wait without complaining, which I think is getting a lot harder for us in this day and age because most of us carry these little devices in our pockets right now. And if we think of anything that we want to look up, we can have it in seconds, right? If we think of any product that we want, we can probably order it and have it shipped overnight to our houses just from this thing. So we've been conditioned not to wait for things. And that means that when life throws something at us where we do have to wait, we have very little tolerance for it. But God tells us that we should have tolerance for it. And whether we're in the doctor's office or in traffic or at the airport, we have to be willing to wait. And we have to be willing to wait when it comes to more big picture things too, like waiting for God's calling on our lives or uh, waiting for him to lead us to the person that he wants us to spend our lives with or waiting for that job opportunity. We have to be willing to wait. And patience is the ability to be happy and at peace even in the midst of those waiting times. Okay, so with those five virtues, just remember, they're the clothes we're called to put on. That means that they're available. It takes a little effort to put them on, but they're there for us, and Christ calls us to wear them. So after giving us this list of clothes, Paul continues with some more instructions. And I'd say that if the qualities he's talked about so far are like individual articles of clothing... The things that he's about to talk about now are kind of like the outfits that these individual articles of clothing form. So I'd say there's four things that he's going to talk about. And I would say that these four things are especially important for us to listen to because I think that they are just so essential for a healthy church community. And these four things, we're going to go through each one, but I'll just list them real quick. Uh, The four things are forgiveness, love, peace, and gratitude. Forgiveness, love, peace, and gratitude. So let's take a closer look at the outfits. First one is forgiveness. So in verse 13, remember, Paul said, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. As I was thinking about this verse this week, it occurred to me that in order for any community, whether it's a church or just a group of friends or a marriage, in order for any community to survive for the long haul, forgiveness has to be practiced. It just has to. Because we are all human beings. Human beings are all imperfect. And that means you cannot be in relationship with human beings for very long before eventually somebody has to extend forgiveness to the other one. It just, it is inevitable. And when that happens, when that moment comes, when there's that, uh, that uh, choice that has to be made, we either forgive and move on, or we hold on to the grievance. Right? Those are our, our two choices. Now, if we hold on to it, something happens where we start to become bitter. And that bitterness is very toxic to whatever relationship we're in and whatever community we're in. And, after a certain period of time, uh, we will end up in a situation where being in the community is just too unpleasant for us to be there, if we hold it in long enough. So, 
I would say we reach a point where we either need to forgive and be reconciled, uh, which if we wait long enough, that becomes very difficult because the bitterness just digs roots down very, very deep and, and takes hold of us. We either need to forgive and be reconciled or we just end up needing to leave. And so that's really what it comes down to. If we're in a community long enough, we end up in a situation where we either need to practice forgiveness or leave. One or the other. Because staying without practicing forgiveness eventually will become too unpleasant for us. And Paul tells us that faced with that choice, we should forgive. Now I do want to note here uh, that this call to forgiveness is not a license for abuse. Um, if there is a genuine pattern of abuse taking place, uh, whether it's in a church or a home, then this call to forgiveness is not a call just to accept that. Uh, if real abuse is taking place, I don't want to say anything that would enable that. But most of the time, the kinds of grievances that we commit against each other are best handled not by forcing someone to leave and not by leaving ourselves, but by forgiving. Now, I don't want to sound naive, because I realize that forgiving someone, if you really have been wronged, is not an easy thing to do. And that's why it's very appropriate that Paul reminds us, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because when the Lord forgave us, it was not easy. It did cost something, right? It involved Jesus suffering and dying on a cross. And similarly, when we are wrong, choosing to forgive involves a kind of death in ourselves. We have to choose to, de- to die to our desire to hold on to that grudge. Uh, we have to die to our desire for revenge. And that is not easy. But if we're called to forgive in the way that the Lord forgave us, we shouldn't expect it to be easy. There's pain involved. But the end result is reconciliation, right? The pain that Christ suffered led to reconciliation between God and us. That's, that was worth the pain. Now, not forgiving also involves pain, right? It's the pain of carrying bitterness. But that pain isn't worth it, because the end result of that pain is just more bitterness. No joy, no peace. It's just a pain that just begets more and more pain. But the pain of forgiving is a pain that leads to life. That's a pain that helps to sustain a community rather than destroy it. And it's the pain that Christ modeled for us. So we should follow his lead. Moving on to number two, love. Paul says, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What I really want us to notice here is what a big deal love is. The primacy that Paul gives to love. Once again, we've got that same verb, put on. Paul's saying, even if you've already clothed yourself in uh, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, compassion, even if you've already put all those clothes on, all those virtues virtues are going to be lacking unity unless you put on top of all of them love. Unless you put on that overcoat of love, this whole outfit is not going to be tied together. It reminds me of that great passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. You know, you hear a lot about love in modern American Christianity, don't you? And there have been times where I've wondered, okay, well, is all this focused on love, is it really on point? Is it really biblical? Or is this just some sort of, like, Disneyified version of Christianity? And the answer is that if we are talking about genuine love, no, we're not just being sentimental. You know, we, we're not overemphasizing love. We are being biblical. And what we're saying is on point. Because, like Scripture tells us, it doesn't matter how many other virtues we have. It doesn't matter how many other spiritual gifts we have. It doesn't matter how many miracles we can perform. If we don't have genuine love, then we've missed the point. And what is love? Well, the Greek word that's used in both of these passages is agape. And I think the best way to describe agape is this. It's the will to bless another. The will to bless another. It is the desire, the will to see someone else flourish in the best sense of the term. It's the will to see, see someone else be truly happy, to be truly healthy and whole. That's what love is. If that's not what love is, then I have no clue what we're talking about when we talk about love. And the Bible tells us that God is love. 1 John 4:16. So, if God's nature is love, and if without love we are nothing, and if love is the virtue that we are supposed to put on over all other virtues, well, then I would say we really can't overemphasize love. We really can't. We might make the mistake of misrepresenting it, we might express it in some way that cheapens it, but if we're talking about real love, we can't overemphasize it. The way I would put it succinctly is it's God's love that made us, and love is what we're made to do. It's God, God's love that made us, and it's love that we're made to do. Moving on to number three, peace. Paul says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Called to peace. It's a nice thing to be called to, isn't it? Uh, to a state of tranquility. People pay good, ma- good money for vacations where they can achieve that state, right? But Paul says that we're called to that state here and now, whether we're on vacation or not. And I would say there's two aspects to this peace that we're called to experience. There's an internal aspect, and there's an external aspect. So Paul mentions the internal aspect first, right? He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That's your heart, internal. The peace of Christ is what comes from knowing and trusting that God loves you, that he will never leave you, and that he has secured for you a future of everlasting joy. When we put our faith in those truths, when we allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, we experience uh, joy and rest. But we're called to more than just a me and Jesus peace. Right? There's an external aspect to the peace that we're called to as well. We're called also to peace with others, and more specifically, to peace with those in the church. Paul says, as members of one body, you were called to peace. 
as members of one body. So, that one body is the body of the church. So we're called to this state of tranquility, not just in our individual relationships, but also together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think it's so important to remember this because we live in a time where there's a lot of emphasis in the church on our personal relationship with God, right? Personal relationship with God. I'm sure we've all heard that. Maybe you've heard somebody say Christianity isn't about a religion. It's about a personal relationship with God. And there's truth in that statement. Like Paul says, let the peace of of Christ rule in your heart, in your heart. We are supposed to have a personal relationship with God. But that personal relationship with God should also lead us to pursue peace within our communities. The internal peace should also lead to an external peace. Because as one body, we've been called to peace. So in other words, to put it succinctly, me and Jesus should lead to we and Jesus. And then finally, number four, gratitude. Paul says, starting at the end of verse 15, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So we're told to be thankful. We're told to be grateful people, to put on this clothing of thankfulness. And thankfulness is really a key component to any healthy community because no matter what community we're in, there's always going to be things that are wrong with that community. Always going to be things that's wrong with our friendships, with our marriages. There's always going to be something. Because as we established when we talked about forgiveness, right? People are imperfect. People are flawed. So there's always going to be problems in every community. Um, And once we deal with one problem, another problem will come up. Right? This is life. This is the world that we live in. And so what this means is that if we spend the bulk of our time focusing on what's wrong, what's wrong with our communities, our churches, our families, our friendships, then we're never going to be happy. Because there's always going to be something wrong. Always. So if we want to be happy, we have to cultivate an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness for the things that are good. The things that are worth celebrating. And cultivating gratitude for what's already good, it doesn't just make us feel better in the here and now. But it also helps us to address the things that need work. The way I would put it is celebrating our strengths gives us the resources that we need to address our weaknesses. Celebrating our strengths gives us the resources that we need to address our weaknesses. I remember that back when I worked for Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, we were encouraged to write out these things called vision plans for our students. So most of us who were on staff, we had students that we worked with that we would meet with uh, one-on-one. And uh, near the end of our time together, we were encouraged to write these vision plans. And the first part of the vision plan was you just, you sat down and you thought, what are all the positive things that I can think, think of about this person? Adjectives that I would use to describe them, that, that uh, describe their strengths. So it could be like character things, like this person is brave, this person is um, humble, this person is compassionate. Uh, Or it could just be things like skills, like this person's a great football player, this person's got a beautiful singing voice, 
um, all sorts of stuff like that. And you would just come up with as much stuff as you could, and you would write it all down. And then the second part was the part where you said, well, here's some areas you might want to work on. Here's some weaknesses. But the ratio between the positive things and the negative things, we're always told you want to have like 10 things, 10 positive things for every negative thing that you bring up. Uh, because, not, not because you're supposed to lie, we're supposed to be honest about everything that we wrote on there, and I, I always was, um, but because everyone is always feels more motivated to work on their weaknesses when they've already been appreciated, when somebody's already affirmed for them the good things that they're doing. And you would find that once you got to that point, after showering them with all these, this encouragement that recognized all, how valuable they were, that once you got to that point where you were dealing with the weaknesses, they'd be like, yeah, no, I, I really do need to work on that. Something would change. And so I think we need to just keep that in mind when we're uh, in all our relationships, in our, in, in, in our church, um, in our communities, that we should first cultivate this attitude of gratitude and thankfulness, recognize the good things. Um, doesn't mean we ignore the weaknesses, but by recognizing the good things, we're empowered to deal with the things that we need to work on. All right, so here's the full list of the clothes that we're called to put on. Even if they're not always comfortable, even if they're not always fashionable, even if sometimes we feel too lazy to put them on, uh, there they are. This is what we are called to as a people dearly loved by God. So in a moment, I'm going to close up in prayer. And after that, just like last week, I'm going to leave this slide up. And I just ask us to spend some time reflecting on these virtues. And specifically, I'd like us to reflect on whether there's maybe somebody in our lives that we need to extend forgiveness to, um, either in this community or outside of the community, just anybody in our lives. Because it occurs to me that when it comes to forgiveness, we really need to put on a lot of these in order to do that. Um, and I think that there, there's a special power in putting on that, that clothing of forgiveness uh, to bring healing, uh, both to ourselves and to others. So, you know, just consider as you reflect if there's somebody um, that you might need to extend that, that forgiveness to. And... Uh, in a, in a little while after that, we'll, we'll take communion together. So, let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you so much that you provide us with these, these clothes, God. Uh, we thank you that you offer them to us, and uh, that with them um, comes peace and, and love and, uh, and joy. Um, and we pray, Lord, for wholeness in our communities, uh, in our church, in our friendships, in our marriages, God. We pray that you would help us to put on these clothes regularly so that we can experience um, the abundant life that, that you offer us, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we do these things not in order to earn your love, um, but because we are loved by you, God. We thank you that you loved us first and have enabled us um, to love to love others, and to love you, God. We thank you, Lord, and ask that you be with us, that your spirit would direct our thoughts as we reflect. In Jesus' name, amen.